Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It is Thursday, November 10th, and this is People Every Day. Hello, hello, everyone. I hope you're doing well this busy Thursday. We have so many great stories to get into today, including the new Casey Anthony documentary and discussing our exclusive interview with Michelle Obama. Oh, and Beyonce's longtime stylist, Ty Hunter, is here too. So let's jump right in. First up, Nashville was the place to be last night as country stars gathered from all over to celebrate the 56th annual CMA Awards. Luke Combs continued his meteoric rise to country superstardom, winning both Best Entertainer and Album of the Year. Best Song went to first-timer Jordan Davis for his song, By Dirt, <laughs> featuring country legend Luke Bryan. Chris Stapleton and Lainey Wilson took home Best Male and Female Vocalist, respectively. But of course, no CMA Awards is complete without some killer music performances. And last night was no different. Katy Perry and Thomas Rhett blew the audience away, performing their pop country hit, Where We Started. Windows down and screaming our Carrie Underwood, Miranda Lambert, and Reba McIntyre sang a beautiful medley of Loretta Lynn songs in honor of the late artist who passed away in early October. And Alan Jackson, who was honored with the Willie Nelson Lifetime Achievement Award, took the stage for Don't Rock the Jukebox, in addition to receiving tributes from Combs, Underwood, and plenty others. But the highlight of the night for me was Winona Judd's touching tribute to her mother. When presenting the award for Best Country Duo, an award Winona and her mother, Naomi, won seven times over the years, Judd took a moment to thank fans for their support after Naomi's sudden death in April. In death, there is life, and here I am. Thank you for your love and your support. Ugh, we love you, Winona. Moving on to a disturbing but unfortunately all too familiar story in today's world. And just a heads up, this story contains mention of sexual assault. Warren Beatty is being sued for allegedly grooming and sexually assaulting a teenager in 1973. The suit does not use Beatty by name, but instead describes the defendant as the actor who portrayed Clyde in Bonnie and Clyde. According to the lawsuit, the then-teenager, who is now 63, met Beatty on a film set in 1973, where he allegedly, quote, paid undue attention to her and, quote, commented repeatedly on her looks, gave her his phone number, and instructed her to call him. Over the course of 1973, while the woman was 14 and 15, the actor allegedly, quote, used his position and status as an adult and a Hollywood movie star to coerce sexual contact with the plaintiff on multiple occasions. Due to the alleged actions of Beatty, the woman states she has, quote, suffered and continues to suffer great pain of mind and body, shock, emotional distress, physical manifestations of emotional distress, including embarrassment, loss of self-esteem, disgrace, humiliations, and loss of enjoyment of life. She is seeking damages for psychological, mental, and emotional distress. Quote, she suffered and will continue to suffer. A legal representative for Beatty did not respond to people's requests for comment. 
No easy way to move on from that one, but we've got to get to this. Michelle Obama's new book hits shelves November 15th, and the former first lady sat down with people this week exclusively to talk about her life, her feelings about aging, and so much more. There are so many people I look up to in this world. My mom, my siblings, Beyonce, Meryl Streep, my dentist, quite literally. And of course, Michelle Obama, the author and former first lady, has a new book coming out called The Light We Carry. I can't wait to read it. And for her very first press hit, she stopped by to chat with people for an amazing exclusive interview where she touches on how she manages her anxiety and gets real about menopause and her post-White House marriage to former President Barack Obama. I'm so excited to dive into this. And joining me now is the woman who interviewed Mrs. Obama, or Mish, as I lovingly refer to her in my head, People's White House correspondent, Sandra Soberai Westfall. Hey, Sandra, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks. I always love to come and chat. So you've interviewed Michelle so many times over the years. How was it seeing her again this time around? What was the vibe? I haven't seen her since before the pandemic, except over Zoom. So it was great. She was full of hugs and, you know, talk about the, her, her latest comfortable pants find and girl talk. And then she just always surprises me with how candid she is. And I'm always sitting there waiting for the press babysitters at the sides to say, oh, nope, nope, that's off the record. Don't go there. <laughs> Uh, So Michelle was inspired to write her new book during the COVID lockdown. Here's where that inspiration came from. I was getting a lot of letters from people around the country. I was talking to my own girls, my own friends, and I wasn't alone. Everybody was searching for some answers of how to cope. And for some reason, they were asking me, (laughs) what do you do? The pandemic was such a dark time for everybody. And as we continue to deal with challenges post-pandemic, there's so much anxiety that comes with that, right? And Michelle Obama is just like us. She feels all those nervous feelings, too. And she opened up about the ways she deals with that. So what are some of her tactics? First, one of her tactics was online panic shopping. And she was talking about how she was all of a sudden crazed that the girls were coming home. What would they do all these weeks that turned into months without killing each other? So she was online shopping. She just impulsively threw in some knitting needles, even though she didn't know how to knit. (laughs) (laughs) And with the George Floyd protests that summer, she found that everything felt so big and so out of control that watching YouTube videos on how to knit and purl helped her feel in control that if she could control two little needles and a ball of yarn, her mind let her hands take over and she felt a sense of ease and control again. She's now like up to her chin in knit goods, (laughs) 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 pillows, scarves, hats, halter top. It's yeah. I am looking for the Michelle Obama Etsy store right now. (laughs) I have begged for a photo of Barack in one of her sweaters and they swear to me that they asked them for it this time and that one does not exist. She also relies a lot on what she calls her kitchen table, which is her closest girlfriends. That includes her mom. And then Kathleen Buell, who is Sasha's friend, Maisie Biden's mom and the ex-wife to Hunter Biden. She says, those are the friends that help me vent. 
She tells stories about making new friends at this age and with her fame and how awkward that can be. But she said it was, she felt it was important for readers of all ages to know that it's never too late or too hard to make a new friend. Another thing Michelle does that is just awesome is that she practices self-love. She told you that her husband is always reminding her how amazing she is. I mean, she's incredible, we all know. But she has to also do the work to remind herself of that, too. I am living with a man who loves me dearly, who thinks that the sun rises and sets, and he is clear and vocal about that. And I get that affirmation every day. But I have to be honest that sometimes that isn't enough. Because in the end, the messages have to come from me. I have to believe it myself. So what's the Michelle Obama self-love survival guide look like? What does she do? She tells the story about how she has a girlfriend whose husband every morning gets up, goes into the bathroom, looks in the mirror and says, hey, buddy. And they used to make fun of him for it. But she said that over the pandemic, she was thinking more and more about, and she realized like, That's a way of starting your day kind to yourself. So she'll look in the mirror and she'll look for the things about her that she loves. Hey, look at your smile today. You look happy. You look healthy. And she tries to start kind. And she makes the point, you don't have to rely on anybody else. It's all in yourself. I want to talk about uh, that other kind of love in Michelle's life, former President Barack Obama. In her book, she opens up about how they make their marriage work these days. There's always going to be challenges, but at the end of the day, they always come back to one another. And we've got an exclusive excerpt from Michelle's book about this in particular, you guys. So you can check it out on people.com right now. But as a teaser, what's some insight Michelle gives readers about her marriage? She writes that that they're committed to their marriage. They know with absolute certainty that neither one of them is going to walk away. And she writes that this certainty like sits like a parked grand piano in the center of every room we enter. She says, you know, people ask me all the time about like our perfect marriage. We really like each other and and not miserable. But she said, I, you know, we're very different people. There are the tensions that come with that. She says, Barack watches too much golf on TV. He thinks that she watches too much lowbrow TV. So she said, you know, partnership doesn't have to change each of the people, but those changes come as you make little accommodations to, to meet each other's strengths and weaknesses. And the analogy she uses is you're not, you know, choosing someone necessarily that you're head over heels with, but you're choosing a partner for life, a teammate. She spoke to you about dealing with menopause. You know, all women go through it. And as Michelle pointed out to you, there aren't a lot of conversations about dealing with it. And there should be. She talked about how she can't push herself as much as she used to, part from aging, part from menopause. But, you know, she's not doing the cardio anymore. She's given up on having Michelle Obama arms. She just wants to be able to move (laughs) and keep moving. (laughs) So, you know, she said she's doing a lot of stretching. She did take hormone replacement therapy to deal with the hot flash symptoms. And she said, you know, we all still need more information around that. So she makes the point that we have to talk about this. We need more information. She admits that, you know, the creep of weight gain has been a struggle for her. She says, I don't want to look at and rely on numbers, but, you know, without making any changes to your diet or exercise in menopause, there is this slow creep of weight gain. She's not obsessive, but she does 
like to monitor it. And overall, she said, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. My skin looks pretty good. I've still got my hair on my head. And so far, so good. Just amazing. This interview is amazing. You can check it out, guys. Um, on people.com and in the latest issue on newsstands everywhere tomorrow. Sandra, I will be signing off from here and then texting you all of my other questions I have about <laughs> Michelle Obama. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'll tell you everything I know off the record. <laughs> Thanks, Janine. Casey Anthony is back in the news. I know, blast from the past, right? And this time she's telling her side of the story. We discuss the new documentary, Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies, coming up. But first, we're getting the inside scoop on a top stylist's road to red carpet fashion with Ty Hunter, ahead of his new memoir. We talk about his journey, vision, and what it's like to work with Beyonce and Billy Porter next. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. wonder how your favorite celebrities look so darn good on the red carpet? Three words, a dope stylist. (laughs) And my next guest knows all about that world. Ty Hunter is the mastermind behind some of Hollywood's most unforgettable red carpet moments donned by Beyonce to Billy Porter. His imprint has even graced the stages of some of B's most acclaimed solo tours, tours with Jay-Z and with Destiny's Child. Ty knows exactly how to take a vision and turn it into gold or a paparazzi's dream with every snap and flashing light. And well, now he's using his creative touch to share his story with the world in his new book, Makeover from Within, Lessons in Hardship, Acceptance, and Self-Discovery, as he reflects on his life and the tenets he's gleaned along the way. So, hey, Ty, welcome to the show. How you doing? Thank you for having me. How did you, you know, first get into the business of styling and, and what did those early days of your career look like? I've always loved fashion. In school, I was best dressed in high in high school. My mom was a single parent, so her funds weren't quite where they needed to be for me to be a fashionista. So I had to be creative and go to the Goodwills and Salvation Armies. I started working in the Galleria Mall. I got uh, started working at this store called Buyaka, 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 um, and it was an amazing store. They had a waterfall and they had trees inside there, and they played reggae all day. Destiny's Child with neighborhood superstars. They had no on the radio and so Miss Tina would come in every now and then if you ever met her and I'm sure you have she just becomes your instant mother or instant aunt or instant something she just had that aura and we just build a relationship and so after years of knowing her Miss Tina was like I'm gonna get you out of here one day and I didn't believe her but I had a day off a couple of weeks later and I contacted her I was like Miss Tina hey it's Ty I'm just saying if you need any help today and she's like yeah baby I do can you meet me here and I 
caught a cab there and met her and immediately started working on the Grammys and the Survivor video. I feel like I'm talking to royalty because your hands have styled, of course, Queen B, the one and only Beyonce. And you laid your magical hands on my personal favorite, the black sheer Givenchy dress with the matching beaded veil that she wore to the Met Gala in 2014. So, so, so what goes through your mind when, y- you know, y- you're putting that type of look together? First of all, to have the, the time is also great because normally it's like fittings are like this, 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 and num- sometimes you don't even get a fitting. We contact a lot of designers and we have them do sketches. And from the sketches, we pick our favorites and then we meet with B and then let her pick her favorites and allow the designer to make one or two options and have fittings. Ricardo, we used him a lot and he just gets it. Not too many people that can bring a sketch to life and it look exactly like the photo. And so we just... He just did a great job, and it was like homage to Diana Ross, which is my favorite. Oh, yes. And so tell me just a little bit about your relationship, like to get Beyonce to write the foreword to a book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When I asked B, she was like, I'll be honored. Like, of course I will do that. And it was just, you know, the words that she wrote just touched me. I tear up every time I read it. What was a a moment for you that you can tease out of the book? Uh, Just a... Uh, maybe a personal moment, a turning point in your life outside of, you know, all the amazing, beautiful things that you do. Both of my parents were diagnosed with cancer at the same time. My dad had prostate cancer. My mom is currently going through chemo and breast cancer. You know, just that whole part of learning my own strength and just being there for them and being the troop and just staying positive. What do we have to look forward to with Mr. Billy Porter? I just love him. He's crazy. He's fun. And, you know, I admire him. And just, you know, me being 50 years old and to, for I think Billy's like 52, 53, just to see that it gets greater later. I just admire him, you know, being older and still out here with the kids, showing the kids what time it is. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, this has been so great. And guys, make sure you grab a copy of Ty's book, Makeover from Within, on shelves now. Ty, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you. I love you. And thanks, people, for having me. After 14 years, Casey Anthony is ready to talk. Back in 2008, Anthony gained international attention following the disappearance of her two-year-old daughter, Kaylee. For almost six months, countless volunteers followed up hundreds of leads nationwide in search of her missing child. However, in December of that year, Kaylee's remains were found in a wooded area near the family home. Casey Anthony was charged with and then acquitted of murder and manslaughter, and her 2011 trial attracted 40 million viewers. Now Anthony is telling her side of the story, a story that sparked a cult following and a media frenzy in an upcoming documentary, Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies. Joining us now to talk about the case and the upcoming documentary is People's Senior Editor, Patrick Rogers. Hey, Patrick, welcome back to the show. Hey, Janine, it's good to be here. So, Patrick, just take us back in time here a little bit and quickly walk us through Kaylee's disappearance and the global phenomenon that became the Casey Anthony trial. All right. So this took place in Orlando, Florida. Casey was a a single mother, the two-year-old daughter, Kaylee. They were living with Casey's parents. 
And in 2008, in July, the grandmother reported to police that uh, the little girl, Kaylee, was missing. She said that she hadn't seen her in a month. And also, Casey's car smelled like there's a dead body in it. So immediately, suspicion turns on Casey. Police start looking for this kid. Volunteers, like, poured out. Meanwhile, Casey's story keeps changing. She's telling police... She hadn't seen her daughter for a month. And she finally said that that a nanny had kidnapped a child in, in June of that year, and she hadn't seen her since then. Well, this all fell apart when a while later they they found Kaylee's body not far from the from the family's house. She was in a wrapped in a blanket and in a, in a laundry bag. Her mouth had been duct taped. It was, it was immediately determined that this was a murder, but they couldn't figure out exactly how she had died. And then Casey was 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 put on trial. And and like you said, like forty million people watched this trial went on forever. And a jury found her not guilty of murder, although she was she was convicted of some lesser crimes, but uh, served just a short time in jail. And she's a free woman. Today. Can you talk a little bit about the trial itself and, and just refresh us on, you know, just what that whole circus looked like? I think the most interesting thing about it is that Casey did not testify herself, but she was there every day. And most people uh, focused on her. She had a very aggressive defense attorney who just tore apart every piece of evidence against her. And I put out these what seemed like outrageous theories that she had drowned, the child had drowned in the swimming pool and that her grandfather disposed of the body. Also, that both her father and her brother had uh, yeah, sexually abused her. So, uh, you know, creating this really dysfunctional family dynamic and in, in which, you know, in the middle of which her, her daughter had died. You know, I think most viewers were just astonished that that jurors bought this. But I guess what the defense did succeed in doing was tearing apart the prosecution's evidence on on kind of technical grounds. She's kept a fairly low profile since the trial, and she's only 36 now. So what has Casey Anthony's life been like since all of that? Very quiet, still living in Florida. She actually lives not romantically in the home of, of somebody who, you know, worked on her defense team. She gave an interview um, to the Associated Press a while ago in which she came across as defiant. Like, I don't care what people think of me. I know that they don't like me. She says I wouldn't like myself either if if I read the things that the press has printed about me. She, I mean, she talked about like going out with friends to a bar and people recognizing her, guys wanting to buy her drinks, but she has been very quiet and and kept a low profile until now. So why now? Why is Casey choosing to open up about everything that happened and just drudge all this up again? We talked to somebody close to her earlier this year, and they said that she just uh, she just feels like it's time to to kind of take control of her own narrative. You know that she has been painted as as this monster, and that. She continues to see stories about her. So I guess she feels like it's time to set the record straight, as, as, she, as she puts it. So she's going to be giving an interview to NBC Peacock for a three-part documentary on November 29th, in which she's going to tell her side of the story. Yeah, her first on-camera interview. 
Well, guys, you can hear what she has to say in that documentary, Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies, streaming on Peacock, November 29th. Patrick, thank you so much for taking us into this. You bet. All right, you guys, before we go, I have to tell you about this video I saw today that pretty much melted my heart. As many of you know, if there's one thing I love, it's family looking out for each other. And Estefani and Oscar are a couple on TikTok who run an account called The Deaf Family, where they share the experiences of being the deaf parents of two deaf children. But this particular video they posted caught my eye because it shows Estefani sitting down with her non-deaf cousin, Eddie, and communicating with him through American Sign Language language. We learn in the video that Eddie is the only member of Estefani's family who learned sign language, taking over four years of classes so that he could just communicate with his cousin, her husband, and her children. The two go on to explain that they were unable to talk for the first part of their lives and knew very little about each other because they couldn't communicate. But since Eddie took the time and effort to learn ASL, they are able to talk to each other, learn about one another, and bond. Estefani tells Eddie that the effort he made means a lot to her and the two share a lovely hug. I think it's just so amazing that a family member would take the time to learn and master a whole other language to make sure he can have a strong relationship with his whole family. Either way, family members going above and beyond for each other is certainly something to make you smile, right? You can follow Estefani and her family's many adventures by following at That Deaf Family on TikTok and Instagram. Well, that's all for today. If you're off tomorrow, I hope you have a great weekend. We'll have a very special Veterans Day episode for tomorrow. So I hope you'll listen in here on People Every Day.